All right. So I call this class the importance of a hierarchy. Why it's important to have a hierarchy in, in the world, in your life. So what is a hierarchy exactly? Can someone uh, define that for me? Omri. Chain of command. Sorry? A chain of command. A chain of command. That's a good way of calling it. Although I guess that's really more of a synonym rather than a definition. So maybe I guess. Is but it like levels of authority? Levels of authority. Yeah. And um, I believe that in our generation today, people have a difficulty with the concept of a hierarchy. Um, the, Tal- the Gemara says that the end of days when Mashiach is going to come, chutzpah yiske. There'll be a lot of chutzpah. And uh, the young will rebuke the old, meaning they are basically, we're going to be in a generation where hierarchy is not something they want to hear about. And that's obviously not a good thing, according to Jewish teaching. And I really want to talk about why people don't like hierarchy and then tie it into the parsha, into this week's Torah portion as well, because Judaism is full of hierarchy. We have uh, anyone give me an idea of, a, of, of the concept of hierarchy in Judaism? Where, in which areas do you have hierarchy? Someone who's above. You had that um, when they were traveling in the desert. There were most of the tribes of the then, you know, the, there was the tribe that was, you know, in the center. And that really reflected, you know, in the times of the temple, you had the Kohans and then you had, you had the Kohans and the, Le- the Levites and you kind of had everyone. Good. Good. There's a hierarchy right there. The Kohanim, the Leviim, the Israel in Hebrew. When you put those three words together, you get what you call kli, a vessel. Together as a team, we become this beautiful vessel. Uh, Kohen is kaf, Levi is lamad, and Yisrael is yud. We have, right, so there's different tribes, or groups within Judaism, and each one has a different hierarchy. The Kohanim had very special rules, and that's really what I'm going to be speaking about. What about honoring your parents, right? Fearing your parents. What about... Um, it says, cling to God. So the rabbis say, how can he cling to God? There's no, you can't cling to God, he's infinite. So it says, cling to those that are clinging to him, that are like him. Get close. To him you should stick to. What does it mean? It means stick to those that go in his ways. And for that reason, we have a requirement to stand for, um, for a rabbi or for a teacher. Um, elderly, it says we have a mitzvah in Judaism to stand up for the elderly right, and actually people might think oh, what's, what's the point of this old person but in Jewish in, in physical world the older you get, the less valuable you get you look uglier you're not as beautiful right, your body isn't as attractive you can't work as well you're retiring, you're on your way out. That's how they call you. In the physical world, the older you get, the worse you get. The less valuable you get. But it's not like that in the spiritual world. In the spiritual world, the older you get, the more valued you get. Because you've acquired wisdom. That's why the word zaken means to acquire. Kana comes from the word to acquire. Because the older a person gets, the more they acquire wisdom and ideas and teachings that they can share with the world. Think about that. 
for a while. It's true. See, that's <laughs> thank you for that comment. Older people can also be out of touch. You see, that's where that's where the people that don't like hierarchy come along and give their reasoning for not being in touch with the older generation by saying that they're you know they're not in within the times. We are much more within the times. Uh, you know why they're out of touch? Because they uh, they dress differently. They don't look the way we look. But it's a big uh, shame. No, you can you could be out Gone. of touch in superficial and you know n- negligible ways. You could also be out of touch in some ways that it, it's a whole discussion. I don't want to sidetrack the discussion. But no, anyway. please yeah. say it. I think. Um, I guess from a social political perspective, a lot of uh, young people yep. are pretty upset, you know, when they have when there's older people who aren't really in touch with what they what what is probably best for the next generation or what's best for, you know, the world as a whole. Like, you know, you could I don't think it's necessarily anything about being old and I'm sort of like not delving into specific examples. Uh-huh. But you can be selfish in your own way as an old person in a way yeah, that I hear um, that you get a habit in your past and you're not open minded as much. Yeah. Um, towards change, towards change, towards understanding that things that the world. Yeah. That things are happening. Understanding. I agree with that. There is yeah. some truth to that. There is some truth to that. And um, with all that being said, you know, in terms of physical uh, convenience, that is, whilst within, you know, within the living, the convenience of living, this is true. Um, I still believe that there's things that we must use from the past in order to, um, to move forward. There's things we I, must learn. I would agree with you. Um, you know, like, look at, look at the history. Look how we are repeating history again. Not learning. How many times are people saying we're not learning from the past? Um, and that's why that's part of it is because of when we don't have the sense of hierarchy. Okay. So there's that. What about the Jewish people versus the non-Jewish people? Now that's, this is a sticky one, but you know, it says, I'll separate you from the nations and, and you will be mine. What does that mean anyway? Like, isn't that racist? It might seem so, but not until I explain it. Um, you know, firstborn. There's an idea of a firstborn. You heard of this? Uh, firstborn gets a different inheritance. They have different roles um, in Jewish teaching. So there's definitely the idea of hierarchy in Judaism. And the biggest hierarchy of all is God, right? Because that makes you really um, feel that something's with you wherever you go. That's why we have a keeper, right? It's my lid. And it's meant to remind me, uh, it started from the Talmud, but it's a, a reminder that someone's always on top of me. Wherever I go, I'm wearing it as my reminder that there's someone that's always on top of me, right? That's a real sense of hierarchy when it comes to God. So I, I want to talk about why people can't really face hierarchy. Omri gave a great point, which is that they're not in touch, not understanding of the needs of um our generation or the few of the progression of the generation. There's some truth to that. But it's a mistake to take that point and then, you know, and that's not what you're doing. I'm just saying 
it's a mistake to take that point and say that's the general situation and therefore all old people are dismissed, unworthy, and are not someone that could teach me something because they really can. So um, it says, Yetzah Adam Rami Neurav. The inclination of a person, of a human being, is bad when he's young. We're filled with desires. This is going to be the first uh, idea here. We're filled with desires. We want things and we're young. We think we're going to live forever. We're not as focused. You know, when you meet a guy on campus, he's definitely different than when when you meet a young professional. We used to work with students at the university. Then we moved on to working with young professionals. Worlds apart. Right, A student on campus... uh, thinks he's uh, in frat life forever um, until he moves to the real world, which is work. And then it's like the daily grind and surviving and really living. And right? So they're in this illusion for a while called uh, frat, the frat life forever. I agree. Some people are in frat life forever, especially if some people that go to shul and they have their... Different style. They farbrang all day. Farbrang. But there's no hazing there. But definitely, uh, you know, when you build a club, you're a little community. There's also. But uh, it says that a person's filled with desires when he's young because of the mindset that I'm going to live forever. That's what the Torah says before, after the destruction of the Babylonian, uh, the, the, the flood. The great flood that happened. What was the problem? People lived for too long. And because they lived for too long, they said, ah, let's live life. We have many, many years to worry about you know, being serious. And that caused people to do wrong things. So when someone's young, they think that they're living forever. They're not as serious with the reality. That They're actually less in touch with reality. They think they are more in touch, but they're actually less. So... Um, that's one of the reasons that I'm filled with desires and I can't have the sense of humility to have someone else telling me what's right and wrong. I want to be able to choose what's right and wrong. Through my experiences, I'll decide whether this is something I should do or not do. Don't you tell me. And of course, what's wrong with that? There's good and bad in that. Right? What's, what's wrong with learning through your experiences? Nothing? Nothing. Not, oh. Well, I think um, I think sometimes it's beneficial to listen to people who have more life experience than you, who might be able to direct you on a different path. You don't always have to trust yourself if you are just kind of taking I mean, sometimes it's a good idea to take a leap of faith and see how it goes, but other times it's it's beneficial to seek out a different perspective. Beautiful. So there is truth in having your own experience, and that is someone who goes through, a ch- through the experience themselves, right? They are going to be really understanding in that position, whether it's bad for them or good for them. Someone who, let's say, uh, went through a really difficult marriage and overcame it, right? Not that they, I've heard there's this marriage therapist that was on the radio. She divorced four times, and she's talking about how you should get married and stay married. Um, you know, it's interesting because 
She has experience of divorcing, but not necessarily experience of being married. Her experiences, uh, it, it's interesting that that's the case, but just in general, a person can, through their experiences, attain a certain sense of understanding of what's right and wrong. But of course, that's not what we want. We don't want to wait till we try to be a trial and error for them. Our life is too short. It's like, I'll give you an example. You're looking for a video on how to uh, build a bench, let's say. Um, and you go on YouTube, how to build a bench. How many videos pop up? Millions. Well, too many, right? And then you click one, the guy's talking for hours on end until he actually starts the job. You're like, oh, this is taking way too long. Put it on fast forward, multiply by two. Still taking too long. Ah, oh. right, go to the, the next video. You know why they do that? Yeah, so the longer you're on their platform, the but it's a mistake because you want people to enjoy the content, not just... No, you, you actually got it. You're right. That's That's the reason. Right, but it's a mistake. Because you want to stay, you want to go back to there. And if their content is good, you'll go back. But, um, but anyway, so the guy's talking for ages. And you're like, oh, I need another video. This is ridiculous. You can't, you, the quality is even bad. So you go to the next video. And then all of a sudden you ask your friend, hey, do you know a good tutorial of how to build a bench? And he's like, yo, dude, I have the best video. And he sends you the link, right? And then... And then you're like, oh, thank you. You just watch it. It's simple. Boom, 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 boom. Done. You, you know how to build a bench, right? Isn't it nicer to not have to go through the trial and error of the thousands of different choices that you have out there until you find the right choice? Is it not much better to, to get directed from someone else who went through those experiences? And that's how life is. You know, like we're, we're, as time progresses, we're meant to learn more from the past not ignore the past because more past means, look, infanticide didn't work. You know, treating women badly didn't work. All the things that history sho shoveled should be in us to remember, look how they failed. We better, we better work in, 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 in improving ourselves. So as time goes on, we're actually meant to learn more from history, not ignore history more. There's a bigger responsibility for us. But anyway, um, when a person's young, they ignore the fact that they have a tremendous amount of um, experienced people that they can learn from. And they say, I want to go through the experiences myself, which is obviously a mistake. It takes a level of humility to say, no, I'll listen to those that are wiser, that are more experienced, that have been through this, than to be the person that goes through it and then realizes it's wrong for me. It's... Although both are learning experiences, right? Both are learning experiences, by right? Listening to those that are more experienced and sticking to their ways and not going through the challenge is, uh, yeah, it is better in, in some ways because that way I'm... That is, according to Jewish teaching, that's the best way to be. To follow the path of those that went through the experience as opposed to going through the experience and then saying to yourself, oh, okay, I'll... Uh, I'll learn through my own ways. It's not the way. It's not the right way. Okay, I don't want to get too much into this, but that's um, because otherwise my ADD is going to go all over the place, and I'm going to forget what I'm even talking about. So I better keep, keep somewhat on track. So uh, that's that's the idea. 
we have something that's our desires which pushes us and therefore it's hard for us to accept a sense of hierarchy, someone who's been through the experience that could teach us. But I want to tell you the real problem of hierarchy and the reason why people don't listen to it. You know why? It's called abuse of power. And tell me how true is that? It's when the people with the hierarchy fail us. And then we tell them, excuse me, you're not going to tell me what's right and wrong. You are not living right. You are living wrong. The best example is my, my favorite topic, my cell phone. Okay, my kids tell me, I'm like, no, you can't watch anything now. I'm not letting you watch anything now. And they say, Daddy, you, you're so cool. You're so lucky. So I say, why? So they say, because you could just watch anything, anytime. Boom, smack in the face, right? Because basically what they taught me was, how can you tell me what to do and what not to do if you're not living in that way yourself? Right? Those are their words. Granted that I'm ne- I, I've not watched a m- movie in like, you know, 11, 12 years, right? 12 years since I got married. Not, literally not watched a movie. One documentary about the, f- about the dangers of Facebook that someone sent me and I sat and watched it with Shira once. It was very interesting. Um, but that's basically, basically the only thing that I watched in 12 years. I've literally not watched a movie in 12 years. So, um, you know, so for me, that was a smack in my head. You know, it was like a knock on my head. Hey, wake up. Because here I am telling my kid, no, you're not going to go on my phone. And obviously, you know, something which I would let, you're not going to see anything like that. No, no, I don't, I don't have to. And then they say to me, but you're so lucky you could do it whenever you want. And that scares me. And that's why I make sure that when I'm near them, I try and avoid as much as I can being on my phone. Because if I, if I hold to that example, then I, want, I need to be that as well. If I, if I hold to that value, then I need to live by that value too. So the biggest danger of hierarchy, and I believe that this is the reason why hierarchy is something which is not accepted, so to speak, in our generation, is because of abuse of power. Because those with hierarchy failed us. And we start losing hope in the hierarchy. And that's very, very dangerous. Okay, Because when we start seeing that hierarchy fails us, we lose connection with the idea of Hashem. It's when I don't have a good connection with my parents. I don't have a good connection with all those that are meant to be the people I trusted. Um, and I don't see that they're being honest or sincere, then that's going to really danger my connection with Hashem, who's the ultimate concept of hierarchy. But hierarchy is so important. Let's imagine for a second, everybody being the same. Okay, everyone's treated the same, no hierarchy or concept of hierarchy. We're all equal. What's wrong with that? What's the biggest problem with that? And this is not a political discussion anyway, but what, what would be wrong with that? That we're not. Exactly. It's not realistic. We're not. Right? Everyone's got different needs. You have some people that are special needs and they need more attention. They need to go to a... I'll never forget um, growing up and I was playing in the park with my, uh, 
with my friends, and we see in the far corner a whole group of kids who are special needs, and a lot of them are on wheelchairs, and they each had a, you know, a, a mentor or someone that was looking after them, pushing them. And they were playing bas- soccer or whatever it was, uh, definitely not basketball in England. But they were, they were running around in this wheelchair, and they, you know, they were getting pushed around, these kids on wheelchairs, and they were screaming, hey, you know, they're throwing the balls. And, they, and I was looking at them, and I was like, wow, they are so lucky. They get so much attention, and they have so much fun, and they were really happy. These kids were really, really happy. And I remember sitting there on the side on the grass as a little 10-year-old watching these kids. And I'm like, wow, they are so lucky. I wish I can have that, right? And you, know, you ever heard the saying, careful what you wish for? So there are different people in the world and everyone needs different attentions based on their needs. If we all had the same, um, uh, if we were all the same, then it might be different, but we're not. We're all different. That's one reason. The second idea is that if there was no sense of hierarchy, there will be a tremendous amount of um, there will be a tremendous amount of what, what I would call a lack of a lack of respect or kavod in the world. If everyone was equal, then why would we, right? We would never have someone that we look up to. There's never anyone that we would say, okay, fine, I want to be like this, or I want to be like that. I want to learn from this. Because the good side of hierarchy is, Right, the good, the good of a hierarchy is that we have someone to look up to, so a role model, someone that we can desire to be like. If it's bad, it's just power. But the good side of hierarchy is someone that we want to learn from. Okay, and that's really um, the idea. If I have a hierarchy around me, if I have a rav, a rabbi, a teacher, a, a mentor, a parent, that I respect, that I have tremendous respect for, then I also have a, a tremendous sense of humility. It means that I have a tremendous ability to be connected to God as well, to recognize that all humans are under a greater power of Hashem. So when, when I recognize hierarchy in this world, I can also recognize God. It's a very interrelated concept, right? When it says, honor your father and mother, Ani Hashem, I'm God, it says that, there's three partners in creating a human being. When you honor your parents, you're also in some ways honoring God because they partnered in God in creating you. When you honor a person that's close to God, you're honoring God as well. So the idea of hierarchy also gives us what I would say a connection to God. And that's what I want to I wanna go to. There's a very interesting, before we carry on, I want to tell you a very interesting um, uh, point that's written in the Talmud. There's a there's a big challenge of being the the member of hierarchy, right? If you're you're the parent, if you're the teacher, if you're the rabbi, if you're the, then you face a tremendous challenge. Anyone know what the challenge is? Not abusing your power. Well, not abusing the power, and you have to. That's that's the passive, right? And be a good example for others. Right, Shayna, and what did Becca say? I said earning and maintaining trust and respect. Earning respect. Um, Shayna said, um, res- what was it, Shayna? You said about respect for others? Be- being a good example for others. Being a good example. 
Guys, you're all saying the same thing. When you're a member of hierarchy, you have a sense of responsibility. You have a tremendous amount of responsibility, and it's hard. Listen to this Talmud. It says that a lot of times, Paul, the Talmud in the Darim says that you know who creates the greatest scholars? Poor people. Right? People that don't have a lot of money, they are the ones that create the greatest Torah scholars throughout history. You look at Akiva, Hillel, some of our greatest rabbis of Jewish history were very, very poor. Why? The Talmud says, I don't understand. It continues and it asks, This the Talmud asks, I don't understand. Why can't a scholar produce more children that are scholars? It does happen. But, you know, why doesn't the Talmud focus on those guys? You know, it says that from the poor people, you'll get tremendous scholars. But it doesn't say that from scholars, you'll get scholars. The Talmud says, why isn't it that all scholars produce great scholars? They're good guys. They should be great examples. All their kids should be perfect kids. Why is it that that's not the case? So the Talmud brings a bunch of ideas, and they're all under the same theme. Listen to this. Rav Yosef says, so that people won't say that Torah is inherited to them. If everyone, uh, if it's always the case that every Torah scholar, everyone that works hard in Torah, their child comes a scholar, then everyone's going to say, ah, he's born to it. That's why. He's the son of a rabbi. He's, he's a grandson of a rabbi. He's many generations rabbi. It's, it's in his blood. Oh, me? I'm not born to a rabbi, so I don't need to be Jewish. Like, I don't need to be into it. Right? So I won't need to study Torah. For that reason, God doesn't always allow the scholars to have children that are scholars. Next response, Rav Sheshet says another answer. They're all obviously within the realm of the same. They're all Elu Elu divrei Elohim Chaim. That's what we say. Oops. Some reason. One second. I feel like the computer's slow. Okay, it's good. We're good. So they all say that we say in Jewish teaching that they're all the they're all the words of God. These are all the words of God. So all these answers fit into each other. Another response is, you know why they don't? Because they shouldn't get. They shouldn't abuse power. It says because they shouldn't be the people that eventually overpower the congregation. You hear this? The danger of power. If they, if, if they are rabbis and then all of a sudden all their children are rabbis and everyone, so then everyone's looking up to them, eventually they're going to be power greedy. Human nature is power and greed. So God therefore gives them also children that are not scholars and they fall off the tracks. Not necessarily they have to leave completely, but they don't come as scholars as well. The Talmud continues. It says, another answer. Um, Mazutra says, because, you know why? Not, bec- not in order that they shouldn't overpower the, con- the people, but because they do overpower the people, meaning they start using power. The minute that they start using power, they, u- they abuse the power over people and they start controlling people. That's the minute that the children say, I'm done with this. And they leave. So it's interesting that that's exactly the problem. The problem is abuse of power. And that's, our gener- I-, I believe, the reason that our generation can't face the sense of hierarchy. 
Ravashi says, because they call people stupid. They say, yeah, anyone who's not like them, who's not learning like them, eventually they start, you know, behind closed doors, they're like, oh, I, I just don't have time for this. These, these people are, not that they always do that, but if they do do that, that's why their kids can fall off the tracks. Because the kaolein shechamari, they call them you know, ignoramus, these people that they just don't learn, they don't learn from me, they don't know anything, why? Right? That's the language that he says. And Ravina says, because they don't bless the Torah first, meaning they, the whole life is Judaism, so it comes out of habit, right? They're not excited about their teachings anymore. They're not as excited because it can happen. This can happen. They Everything's done out of habit. They're not excited. They're not blessing Judaism before they do it. Someone who's like not done, you're not done Shabbat for a while. And then he does Shabbat. He's excited for it. So his child is like, well, this is actually a really nice thing. It sticks to the kid. But someone who's doing it every week, it can come habitual. And then eventually you have to work on it so that you maintain the excitement. By the way, if it's not habitual, not good also. Right? Judaism has to become your habit. If it's not your habit, you'll also you, you'll say, ah, I can't be bothered for it. It's too much. So it has to become your habit. It's like putting on to fill in, right? You put on this, the, the wraps. At the beginning, you're like, well, this feels great. You know, you have the kotel, they do it the first time. You're like, well, this feels great. If you're doing it every day, you're like, okay, I'm doing this every day. Well, it's not that exciting. But if you didn't make it your habit, you wouldn't keep doing it. So it has to be your habit, but you also have to work on maintaining the excitement in the Judaism. That's the battle that we all go through. Anyway, here's the, this time it's very clear. That hierarchy is important, but if it's abused, for instance, abuse of power, or um, it's not done in the right way, then the child or the people that are watching are going to turn away from it. Clearly, even according to Jewish teaching. How does this fit in to this week's Torah portion? Because this week's Torah portion, we learn about the Kohen, the priest. And what's the rule of the Kohen? What's the rules of the priests? They're not allowed. There's many rules. They're not allowed to be contaminated by the dead. This is according to, till today, a Kohen, a priest, avoids going to the hospital. You know that? Because the hospital has a lot of dead people in it. We are considered as all tum'ay metim. We are all contaminated by the dead. And... um. According to Jewish teaching, whenever there's a life source that was in something and it's been removed, there's something called tumah. Tumah comes from the word to block, like a cover. There's a covering on us by connecting to the dead. We have to disconnect from the dead, stay connected to the life. That's a very interesting teaching in Judaism, and it's very powerful. We'll talk about why we do it in a second. But the Kohen, the priest family, that used to work in the temple. Nowadays we don't have a temple. They are the ones that are. They must not come contaminated. They must not come impure. In their people. There's only seven relatives. That they can go to their funerals of. Otherwise they can't go to that funeral. Only to those that are very close to him. Can they go to their funeral. And that is. Seven relatives. 
Mother, father, son, daughter, brother, sister. You hear that? Seven relatives that they can go to. And the Kohen Gadol, there was one priest that was the main priest, right? The Kohen Gadol, he couldn't even go to his own parents' funeral. You hear that? Never to contaminate themselves with the dead. So very strange uh, teaching, but that's one of the rules of the Kohanim. They can go along the side of they can go to the they can go along the side, but they can't go where the area is of the dead body. Even today for Yisraelim, even us, after you go to a funeral, we wash our hands, we do Nutilat Yadaim, at least that. We all wash our hands after. But there is this concept of being next to the dead. The Kohanim have a very strict rule for them. It's very interesting. What does it say? Let me just translate, tell you the words, and then teach you something very interesting. It says, God says to Moshe, he teaches them, he says to Moshe, say to the priests, the sons of Aaron, say to the Kohanim, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, say to them, and say to them, redundancy, never get contaminated for a lost soul amongst your people. Unless it's your father, mother, brother, sister, son, uh, daughter. Okay, unless it's those. But say to them and say to them. What's the redundancy? And this immediately Rashi brings the Talmud. What does it mean? Say to the Kohanim, say to the priests and say. It's a redundancy. Rashi says, Say to them and say to them means teach the elders to teach the young. Train the kids this idea. God says to Moshe, teach the mitzvah of not coming to the Kohanim. Teach them. Teach the Kohanim not to contaminate themselves and teach their kids. Educate the kids as well. That's why it says say and say twice. Say and say. Because you want to educate the kids. And the question is why this mitzvah, why this commandment more than any other commandment? There are many commandments that you need to educate your kids. Chinuch in Hebrew is very important. We should educate our kids with all the mitzvot. Why specifically this mitzvah? That is the big question. Why is it specifically when it comes to Kwanim, where they are the hierarchy? I'm giving you the answer. Then there's an extra commandment to educate the little children as well. What is going on here? That's the first question. Why are we educating our, give an extra warning to the kids? Why do we have hierarchy in Judaism? And what is the reason, deep reason, behind this concept of impurity, of being covered because you've been in close proximity of the dead? What is with this idea of Tumah, of being close to the dead? Okay, so these are the three big questions that I want to talk about tonight. Okay, why, why this extra warning for the kids? What is, contamin- what is the idea of this contamination? Contamination is a bad translation. Tumah, which comes from the word liot atum, to be covered. Um, and, and finally, what is, right, why do we have hierarchy in the world? So let me just talk about this for a short while and then go back and finish off. Okay, you ready? So what's this idea of contamination? Very interesting. Now, 
if I was to sit here with a scientist, okay, 400 years ago, if I was to sit with a scientist 400 years ago, and I'll see a, some dirt on a table, and I'll tell him, listen, you know, I'm 400 years ahead of you. You know that little piece of dirt on the table? I'll say, yeah, what about it? Well, you know, inside that dirt, there are millions, millions of moving cells and harmful bacterias that are inside that moving around. And they're jumping. There's a whole world going on in that little speck of dirt. What do you think that person would say? That scientist would think I'm crazy. What are you talking about? Bacterias in a, in a piece of dirt moving around? Millions of them? That, that, no way. According to Jewish, by the way, according to Jewish teaching, we always knew of the idea of bacteria. There's a number, there's a Talmud in Mesechet Derech Eretz. There's a, there's a Mishnah called Mesechet Derech Eretz. It's, a, it's a, a bunch of Talmuds that were gathered together, Mishnahs that were gathered together, Breitot. And uh, it's brought there, it's brought down also in, in Jewish law, actually, in the Taz, that a person, listen to this language, it's very interesting, because we already always believed in the idea of um, bacteria. One of the reasons why Black Death, they blamed the Jews. They said that the Jews were you know, causing the Black Death. They didn't, because we had certain halachot, certain laws that made us, Make sure that we avoided bacteria, like washing our hands before we eat and so on. But this is what it says. Lo adam, a person must not drink from a cup and give that drink to his friend. Why? Mipnei sakanat nefashot, because it's dangerous for that person's soul. Meaning it's death, it's dangerous, it can kill them. Ki baguf. Maybe this person has a sickness in his body. This is written over 2,000 years ago. Maybe this person that drank from the cup had, has in his body a sickness that he doesn't even know about. What? There's such a thing as someone being sick without knowing about it? Yes, there is. It's called when you're carrying a sickness like bacteria in your body and it can spread. What does it say? And it's going to go out of his mouth into the cup and he'll cause his friend to get sick. Interesting. Two th- over 2,000 years ago, and already the Talmud was talking about bacteria. The Talmud in Avodah Zarah, another Talmud, says that if someone's hit somehow with metal, he got hit with metal, like rust. Yeshba Sakanat Chaim, this is a life Danger. You have to deal with it immediately, even on Shabbat. You might say, oh, it's a little mark, whatever. No, put, treat it immediately if somebody's hit with metal specifically. This is a Talmud in Avodah Zarah 28. This is a Talmud, straight up. Why? Because it's metal. In order to save this person that has been hit with a piece of metal. So that's another, we've always known about this concept of bacteria in Judaism. But let's say this person is sitting there with that piece of dirt. And I'm telling him, listen, in that piece of dirt on this table, there's thousands of bacteria moving around. He'll think I'm nuts. 
Today, then he'll send me to some hospitals. They quickly take him away. There are many things that we don't know that exist just because we don't see them. Even with a microscope, right? Like radio waves. Do you know how many radio waves and types of waves we can't hear or see? Colors. There's different visions that we can't see. Hashem says, there's also something else you can't see. And that's the person that passes away. Right? In the atmosphere, the loss of body that's there, there's something there. And the loss of soul that's in the body, there's something there. There's a covering. And it might not hurt physically, but it spiritually has an impact on us. And we have to be only connected to the life, to the life of a person. Very, very interesting. So this is the idea. Science discovers the nature of the world through nature. And Torah discovers the nature of the world through the spiritual way of the world. Meaning, in science, we look at the nature of the world and we see how it works. Oh, you know how, you know how we can find antibiotics? Through mold. That's how we originally found antibiotics. Through mold. That's what fights our... There's antibiotics in mold. Eventually, they developed it into real antibiotics. That's how we found antibiotics. So, today, we, we know like there's certain things that in the physical world can be used to help us in other areas of the physical world. In Judaism, we know that in the spiritual world, there's things that you can do that can help you in the physical world as well. And one of them is the concept of not being contaminated by the dead. Anyway, this is... An idea that I'm just showing you how Judaism has specific things, very specific things. When it comes to the dead, the seven days that a person needs to wait till they can become pure. Nowadays, we don't have any of this. But when we had the temple, this was very strict. And then they had to sprinkle him. He had to go to the mikvah, right? Impurity was a real thing. And what's very interesting is that in this situation... Of the Kohanim being different, where they can't contaminate themselves with the dead, where they have to make extra stringencies than the rest of the Jewish people, where they are considered like a hierarchy because they work in the temple. In this specific situation, you need to educate the kids. You need to give extra, extra education to the children. Why? Because you've got something here that's not logical. It's not seen. It's not something that you can understand fully. And that needs extra caution. When it comes to, let's say, honoring our parents, that makes sense. When it comes to um, not stealing, that makes sense. You know, it makes sense that I should educate my child that. But when it comes to something that doesn't really have a sense of logic, it's not sikhli, is what we call in Hebrew. It's not, it's not logical. Then you need this specific commandment, say to the Kohanim and make sure you educate the children well about it as well. A, a extra teaching needs to be given in a place where there's little understanding. In a place where the child says, why, why not? So that's the first idea. Oops. I don't know why my internet is not working well. Okay, that's the first idea. Why not? But there's another idea here. 
And that is the importance of not being different. Because the Kohen is different, the priest is different than the rest of the Jewish people. So what's, what's most likely the child going to say? The child's going to say, why am I different than the rest of the Jewish people? Why am I treated differently? In this specific place, you need an education. Because in a place where a child is treated differently, he's not like the rest of the rest of the Jewish people. That's where you need an extra that's where you need extra care. That's why it's really important to try as much as you can to not allowing your child to be a different child than the rest of the kids. If you have a certain value that you hold, right? That's why I believe. It's very hard for a child to be in public school and have strong Jewish values. Because he's kind of, you're constantly telling him, no, you're Jewish, you're Jewish, you can't have that food. You can't have. So he goes to school, everyone's eating their nice pork sandwich. And the Jewish kid is like, no, I can't do that, I can't do that, I eat my kosher sandwich. It's not good to be in an environment where you're constantly different to your surroundings. It's so much healthier to live in a place which is similar to you. Look how the Torah says you've got to be extra cautious in a place where a child is different. Where the child says, why am I different? Why do I have more responsibility? So we have to treat, teach the child, no, you're special. You're, you're, you're working in the place, right, if he's a Kohen. Let's say if a Kohen goes on a trip, his parent needs to find out where they're going. If they're going to a place which has cemeteries in it, he, the child must not go near that. But he's going on a trip to Israel and he's going to the north of Israel. The child must know that he can't go to certain places where there's, if you're a Kohen, the child needs to be educated differently. It's very hard to be in a place where you're constantly fighting an opposition, fighting the differences. That's why it's so important to find an environment that's similar to you. And that's why I say, you know, hopefully one day when you have a beautiful child, you aim to send that child to a Jewish school so they have a strong Jewish education. Not that they're different to everyone. They're constantly fighting for their existence, you know, for their being. No, this is the norm. Everyone's eating the same food. Not that the child has to constantly ask, why am I different? If you're in a place where you don't want your child to have a phone at the age of 10, then you'd want your child to be in a place where everyone doesn't have a phone at the age of 10 in a Jewish school, right? At least a religious Jewish school. This teaches me also about us, not only kids, adults also. We need to make sure that we don't place ourselves in a place that's constantly culturally different to us. Because if it's culturally different to what we believe in, it's going to be hard to survive because I'm constantly putting myself in a place of conflict. And it's not easy. Here's a story of a, gr a great story of a big rabbi in Israel, of Tzadka, Yehuda Tzadka. It's true you can learn from conflict. Good question. But you don't ask yourself to put, you don't put yourself in conflict. We pray every day, don't put me in a place of challenge. It's true, it's, if you're in a place of conflict, you never had choice to go there, and you fail, and you, kept, you fell into a place of conflict, then, and you overcome, you're a tremendous hero. But to put yourself there in the first place, that's wrong. That's, it's not even, that's not righteous, the Talmud says. 
The Talmud says a person has two paths to go on. One street where there's no one walking on it. And there's another street where there's a harlotry going on. Bad stuff going on. Right? And you decide to go on the path where the bad stuff is happening on the street. And you say, I'm going to close my eyes. Is that person more righteous or less righteous? Going in the difficult path, going in the path which is challenging where you shouldn't go, and closing your eyes and not falling in the trap. Is that better than not going on the path, going on the other path which has no one on it? Which one's better? The Talmud says that don't call this person righteous, the one that closes his eyes and goes on the wrong path. Rashahu, he's being wrong, evil. That's not the way to work. It's not like, oh, I'll hang out with this person and, and, and I'll be strong and I won't be in an illicit relationship with them. No, that doesn't work like that. Don't, you, you, you'll be questioned why you went to that spot in the first place. Here's a great, great story. So there's a big rabbi, Rav Tzadka, who once in Israel, there was a kid who was not going to a religious school. There's schools in Israel, even though it's Jewish, they don't really teach anything Jewish at all. There's kids in Israel that do not know how to say Shema Yisrael, even the Jewish prayer. That's a reality. And uh, it's very sad. There's a lot of uh, communities that have completely disconnected from Judaism completely. So there was a family that they were somewhat traditional and the kid is going to a non-religious school. So the rabbi asked, why is your kid going to that school? I'd, you know, give him a good Jewish education. So they said, no, the facilities in the, in the less in the non-religious school is nicer, more funded by the government, much nicer school. So I want my child to get, go through a good place, be in a good education, have a good, you know, be in a good environment. So what did the rabbi say? He said a very interesting answer. You listen to this. He said to them, let's say you have a 10-year-old kid. You're in L.A., and you're sending your 10-year-old kid to San Francisco on a bus or a train or a flight. Here in America, it's cruel to put a child on a bus to San Francisco. You take a, you're sending your 10-year-old kid on a flight to San Francisco. So for the entire flight, you make sure that the child has uh, somebody with them. It's too young. They have to have someone with them. And when they get there, in uh, San Francisco, your sister will be there to see them. Okay, your sister will be there uh, to see them and greet them and meet the, meet the child, the 10-year-old kid. So you go to the airport, you take your child, you put them on the, to the, take them to the airport, get them to the plane. And before you put them on the plane, you're like, eh, I'm not into United. I'm going to send my kid on another flight. You see that flight? That looks much nicer. That's a Virgin Atlantic. Much nicer flight. Let's put my child on that plane. The only problem is that plane's not going to San Francisco. It's going to New York. Different location. Would you be willing to put your child? Your sister's waiting in San Francisco to meet the child. Would you be willing to put the child in a nicer plane just to go to a different location? Doesn't make sense. 
Right? You wouldn't want to put your child to a different... The, the, who cares about how the journey works? The main thing is the message is given. That's what he said to them. Who cares what bus you're going on? The main thing is it goes to the right destination. The last thing you want to do is go on the better bus, but go to the wrong destination. So many times we're focused on having a better, better house, a better this, a better that, but then we're in the wrong environment because of it. Right? Who cares what bus you're on? Make sure you just go on the right bus to the right destination. That's all. We don't care how nice the bus is. Rule number one is get to the right destination. It says in, it says in Psalms, Kichitzim biyad gibor. An arrow in the hands of a strong man. Listen to this. An amazing idea. Listen carefully. It's really powerful. Kichitzim biyad gibor. An arrow in the hands of a strong man. That's exactly how... Having a child is. Having a child is like an arrow in the hands of a strong man. Why? That's what it is to have a child. Why? Because a strong man who pulls hard on that arrow, the minute he lets go, what happens? The arrow is gone. He can't say, oh, bad decision. Please. Arrow, come back. Don't kill him. It's too late. Once you shot... You've shot. Once the bullet's out, once the arrow's out of your hands, it's too late. You can't change the arrow. The same is your children. Your children is like the arrow in your arms. As long as you have the arrow in your hands, you can direct it in the right... Oh, You can direct it in the right direction. But the minute that the arrow is left, the minute that the child gets old enough to be self-sustained, the minute that the child gets old enough, the older the child gets, you've released the arrow. It's very, very difficult to change your child and say, oh, you know, I've sent my child to public school, didn't have any Jewish education, didn't have any Jewish this, Jewish that, and now I'm upset that he's not going to marry someone Jewish. Well, you can't really expect someone to marry Jewish if they never had much Jewish education. Why, why shouldn't they? Marry someone non-Jewish. They shouldn't because it's not good in terms of Judaism, for sure. But at the end of the day, if, it's, if they're not educated Jewishly, then what, why would they marry someone Jewish? So you can't, someone comes to my house. Someone knocked on my house, knocks on my door. He says, listen, Rabbi, I have my son. We are family of Kohanim. We are family of Kohanim. I have a son and he's, he's about to marry this non-Jewish girl. Please go to him and tell him not to do it. I told him, what do you want me to do? Like tie him up? What do you think I'm going to do? Like this miracle man that's going to go knock on his door, put him in cuffs and say, hey, come with me. You are not marrying that, right? You're not marrying that non-Jewish girl. What do you want me to do? I, I didn't say it that harshly, but. The idea is it doesn't start then. It starts right from the beginning. It starts from the education. If you didn't want that child to marry a non-Jewish and you wanted them, then you have to give them a strong Jewish identity. Otherwise, why wouldn't they marry someone non-Jewish? If there's no strong Jewish identity, there's no reason why that person will marry a Jew. Guilt is not going to work. 
So this is what the Torah says. When the child is different, when the child feels that he's different, that's when you need an extra emol, an extra saying, an extra teaching, an extra education, an extra understanding, speaking. By the way, it's the best way of educating, is speaking, whether it's not only children, but even someone that you feel is not really understanding you, sit close to them. And emol, emol ve'amata, speak. Speak, elaborate, explain. Emol, say. A lot of times you can solve a lot of issues just by speaking. And the same is with education. Anyway, so that's basically uh, the idea. The idea. Hierarchy in Judaism is not, and I'll finish with this, is not that we're better, stronger, better looking, right? None of that. The idea that Jewish people versus the non-Jewish people, the non-Jewish people have a portion in the world to come. The Jews have never, never coerced people to, to convert to Judaism. It's not, in fact, we push people away. We're the only religion that does that. Push people away if they say, I want, to, I want to convert. We are a very special people. What are we meant to be? I will make you a light to the nations. That's what we're meant to be. What's a, what's a light? A light is a positive hierarchy, a positive influence. An influence that's, it says, Hashem says, I'll disperse you amongst the nations of the world towards the end of days in Devarim, in 29, chapter 29. It says, God says, I will disperse you. You will be there as an example and as a language, meaning everyone will talk about you, look at you. Small Jews in Israel, right? The number, we're only 14 million. But for some reason, the whole world keeps talking about us. We're always used as an example. In all the nations of the world, wherever you go, wherever you go, there they will speak about you and learn from you and talk about you. And that's really the idea of all the mitzvot. We have many mitzvot. They're made to elevate us, to make us better. We have, don't, don't, uh, we're not allowed to take ribit, interest. We're not allowed to steal, no Shabbat, tefillin, all of these things. Marry the right person. All of these mitzvot are there to make me a better person so that I can be a better light to the nations. But if I believe that I have a hierarchy just because I have a hierarchy so that I can use it to have more power over others, then that's going to backfire to me. And that's how it did backfire to us for many for many times. So we have to be a Jewish people, separate from the non-Jews. In what way? Not because we think we're better or stronger, but separate in a way that we can actually stick to the words of Hashem and be a light to the world. Because that's our mission. There's hierarchy in the Jewish people itself. You have Kohanim, Leviim. The Talmud says there's three crowns. There's the crown of Torah. Anyone who studies it can achieve that crown. It's a special crown on you. There's the, tra- the crown of kehuna, priesthood. And that crown can only happen to the Kohanim. That's a special crown for them. That they will work in the temple. And you have a crown in Judaism of malchut, kingship, kingdom. And which family, which tribe has the king's tribe? Does anyone know? Which tribe Yehuda. is the Jewish people? Yehuda, Judah. 
So there's three crowns that we can all, one of them we can achieve. But as a nation together, we have all of those, right? One of them we can all achieve, and that's Torah. The minute that you immerse yourself in the study of Torah, there's a certain energy that you can give off, a special crown you'll be wearing. And there's actually a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah, there's a commandment to uh, make the Kohen Kadosh, to make the Kohen holy by giving him precedence over things. So according to Jewish teaching, we give them the first aliyah in the Torah. When we open the Torah, the first person we call up is a Kohen. If there's a blessing to make in a wedding, the first person we call up is a Kohen. Priestly blessing. Right? There's actually a Kadosh. You have to make them holy. Right? Why? Because he, he, he comes to sacrifice the offerings to God. He works in the temple. Therefore, he has to have a special hierarchy. Why? Because he's in a special location. And that's how we need to look at ourselves as well. So within our own people, there's a hierarchy for us to also have what to look up to. And within the world, there's many forms of hierarchy. And it's an important thing that we all uh, learn from it and stick to it. And, and from there, we can achieve the real connection, which is to Hashem and to God as well. So my blessing to you all is that um, we should never feel different in a way that makes us uh, challenged or worse or lacking. But we should feel different in a way that makes us feel that we need to do more, that we need to be a light, that we need to make an impression, that we're special, that we have a special mission, that we have many mitzvot that are meant to make us more godly-like, more elevated, and that we can be a light to the world and to ourselves and to our families. So... Um, Thank you all for listening and being here.